Welcome to Simon and Whiten, the podcast at the Crossroads Media Business and Politics. I'm Christian Whiten, joined as always by Mark Simon. Mark, please say hello. Hi, been a while. Sorry, I was in Taiwan for, oh my God, two and a half months. That's, that's a long time to be in Fantasy Island. No, probably Asian. nothing much going over there too much. You know, usual threats of war, usual things stuff, like that. Usual stuff. I got down to, Sing- <laughs> got down to Singapore and got up, to, um, got down to Singapore and then uh, uh, did a few things down there and uh, went a couple of other places, you know, who were kind enough to take me in. Singapore is, um, I think I saw it's like the most expensive city for expats are up there, which shocks me that anything I, surpassed London. And look, it seems so so hot, uh, literally, um, and you know, they're doing this sort of handover, which so it's within the PAP. I don't know. It just suddenly seems like it's. We knew it was on the map. We knew it was sort of increasing the financial capital of East Asia since they murdered Hong Kong, um, or should I say, Hong Kong's uh, communist authorities committed suicide. But yeah, did you get the sense that this is just a, a place that's. Um, you know, it's on places. fire. I mean, well, there's, 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 two, there's two things. The first thing is um, Singapore is unique in many ways. Everybody calls it boring. All right, whatever. But the fact of the matter is it's hot as hell, as you said, but it's expensive. And it's not just the housing. I mean, I, I talked to some friends down there. You know, the housing is equal to Hong Kong easily in terms of cost. The quality is pretty good, though. Um, the schools are expensive for expats, but here's the thing that just blew me away. All the food, all the restaurants are so expensive and they're packed. In other words, I mean, everything is just like, you know, my family was with me and the four of us would go out and I don't don't think we got out of any meal there. Just like even like Ipadu, for example, was like 150 us dollars, you know, and we, and it was a middle day, middle of the day meal you know, for, for ramen. And it was just, it was like that all the time, you know, you'd stop and you'd get something and you'd go, wow, that's really expensive. Wow. That's really expensive. Singapore, they, they, they do have this issue, but look, they are on fire. I spoke with a friend who's at a uh, pretty large legal firm there. And he told me they need to hire something like nearly a hundred lawyers in the next two years to keep up with demand. Most of it coming from Hong Kong. And people are just moving down. It's 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 nobody in, in this in this world of the, with the Chinese Communist Party. It's not like the U.S. where somebody says, "Oh, we're moving to, we're moving from New York City to Tennessee," and they sneak out of New York City and they have a parade in Tennessee. In Asia, you don't do it either way because basically you don't want to upset the Chinese because they'll be upset both with the exit and with the arrival. So people are just sneaking in. Um, they're moving down there quite quickly, and they're they're moving from other places. I I think Singapore is probably going to need to make some more land, but they are really on fire. The other thing too is is that quite frankly they do have, and I don't know why, because there's not that much to see down there, but they have a thriving tourism industry. Mm-hmm. It's just thriving. You know, you I know. found if you get off of Orchard Road and Clark Key, which are the tourist areas. Um, there's actually, there's stuff to see and it's kind of neat. And, uh, it's, uh, it's just, you I, know, tourists I, I, go I, in for a day or two and just hit the malls. It's like, well, yeah, we have malls in America. So at least I, I, I basically, to me, Singapore is a good three day trip. I made the mistake with, uh, my, uh, young, my, my no longer teenagers. I made the mistake of trying to stretch it to about five. So, you know, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's not cheap, but I, I have to say it's, you know, it's, it's really, uh, 
it's it's uh, really growing. And I think I think there's just a cash machine. Every time Hong Kong makes a mistake, there's like, oh, here we are. Here we are. Thank you very much. You know, I, 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 I did have a, I do have a, 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 some interesting interactions with the Singaporeans. They don't, the one great thing about the Singaporeans is when it comes to like something, they don't care. I mean, in Hong Kong, they don't give a damn. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, you know, human rights, they're, they're sympathetic to people, but they don't care. But they do acknowledge, look, the way these guys are screwing up, we're going to continue to take business and we're not going to stop. Mm. Well, good for them. Their advantage. Um, yeah. Um, moving farther north, you're in Taiwan, the Chaicom. So uh, Representative Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin, who chairs the it's good, everyone calls it the China Committee, but it's the, well, the House Committee on the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and he asked a question recently of a number of witnesses, including Biden administration witnesses from the Defense Department, the State Department. I think Commerce was up there. Commerce or Treasury, but I think it was Commerce because they were talking export controls. Um, basically, what's the big change? And there has been this big change where at least it's become more open that um, at the same time, the administration has said, well, maybe we'll do some more export controls. They, they, they went up a notch on semiconductor restrictions. They don't want AI relevant chips being sent um, to China. So the the sort of uh, nanometer width of a of a Semiconductor, they they cranked up a notch, but this is against the backdrop of appeasement, or I would call it maybe that's not appeasement. It's the summer of love. So Blinken goes over before him. The National Security Advisor goes over. Janet from another planet, Yellen, goes over and literally does the kowtow, the three bows, which I thought was absent from communist culture. I know that's farther back. You know, maybe the last emperor got three bows from supplicants, but I thought the commies actually, to their credit, did away with it. <laughs> but it's back. Um, and so this this effort that uh, we're going to go and there's no reciprocity, we're going to bang on their door until they let us in. Uh, and it just, I think, makes us look weak. So uh, I don't know. What, did you take anything from these developments, what was said on the Hill about these developments? Um, you know, when you're in Taiwan, everyone in Taiwan is like trying to interpret every little sign all the way through. But the other thing too was I do have some exposure, some Japanese and the Japanese and my friends in Japan are more to the right, but they, I, I think there's a real belief that this is completely driven by president Biden. Um, hmm. This is not some, this is not some thing that is initiated by other other departments. Uh, Janet Yellen has never thought about foreign policy in her life. Uh, she does what she's told. Um, we, of course, know the foreign policy people at Treasury are awful. They've been awful through every administration. They basically represent the banks. Um, and of course, and then after they represent the banks, they represent law enforcement. People forget that. You know, the Treasury is much more active abroad in their different departments and everything else than uh, you know, than, uh, than other people because of financial crimes, uh, all the other stuff, counterfeiting, you name it. Um, but I, I just don't think there is any thought process of what's going on. I have one grand theme. It's not mine. I think it's there. I think Biden believes that if he can appease Xi Jinping, he can stave off war. You know what I'm saying? In other words, in other words, he, he he thinks he can stave that off. 
his instinct is always to be engagement, to always cut a deal. If you look back, remember his idea to divide Iran, Iraq during the, uh, you know, yeah. during during the thing. Forgot you know, about that, but yeah. And, and and so my point being is is that he he has a situ- we have a situation with this guy where our president seems to have decided, and he's looks like he's bringing everybody along because I think Gallagher's statement was we're going this way. And then all of a sudden we're going this way. Okay. In other <laughs> words, you know, in other words, but, the, but nobody knows what you can do. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I always tell buddies, okay, this started six months ago. Hmm. Who was hanging around the white house six months ago? Maybe, you know, just joking, but who, who as far as I can tell, Hunter came in and started calling policy, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, 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 there's there's no rhyme or reason here. I can't see anything from that. And and I want to ask you, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you watched all these people. They're all different personalities. They're all wildly different. And it goes back to the defense. The defense department was practically shining shoes and kissing ass. You know, as one former four-star general told me, he can't believe what the Defense Department was making Austin do to try to get this meeting. You know what I'm saying? You know, and Austin didn't seem to be too damn happy about it, which is Hmm. probably why they didn't push through with it, you know. But, I mean, what do you see? What do you see in Blinken? Yeah, it's weird. I think your instinct is, is, is this them or is this the boss? I think you're right that it's the boss for this reason. Your your instincts are exactly right. So ordinarily, when there's a shift in policy or tone, you look around at which staff has left, who's gotten different jobs. And frankly, when Susan Rice left, even though she was in charge of domestic policy, she was Obama's national security advisor. And I assume behind the scenes, someone who was a panda hugger in favor of weak policy toward China so that, if anything, things would get better. Didn't uh, Laura Rosenberger left the NSC to take some sinecure at um, the American Institute of Taipei? Of course, that's what we call our embassy in, in, in Taiwan, but she'll be over in this job in Roslyn, Virginia, where you basically get paid to do nothing but can cause problems. Um, and uh, so then, you know, where else? The Defense Department, as you point out, usually that would be the more hawkish side of things. Um, who is it, Eli Ratner over there? Is that the right Eli? Or yeah. am I getting my Eli's wrong? You know, he just negotiated a deal that allowed U.S. US military forces in, in Papua New Guinea. Um, so he may be an odd man out, but at the State Department, it's Critton Brink. You know, Dan's an okay guy. I, know, I knew him when he was ambassador to Vietnam. Uh, he's a functionary. He's a career guy. So he's taking orders from Blinken. So with, with sort of continuity across um, that sub-cabinet level and the cabinet level, uh, yeah, it does seem um, it does seem like it has to come to the top. Now, one thing, it, the real impetus before, before the, the trips and the shoe shining, um, the verbiage coming out of the executive uh, um, branch about we don't want to decouple, we don't want to stop China from growing, uh, we don't believe in disengaging, all of that, it really started with the undersecretary uh, for international affairs over there and with Janet Yellen herself and then with Ray Mondo over at Commerce. So it did seem like sort of the usual, wa- that's the part, and it, this happened in Trump too, um, the person always um, urging Trump to take it easy on China was Mnuchin, the Treasury yeah. Secretary, um, and won a lot of the times. A lot of the times, uh, he did. He state, did. the NSC guys would be there saying, let's do this. And 
and Mnuchin would say, well, we don't want war with China. Not that that would cause one, but uh, yeah. So I think you're right. It must come from the top. It must be, it must be Biden's instinct. My, 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 cause my question here is I'm, I'm, I'm of course leading you in my direction, but my question <laughs> here is, I think, I think they're walking into a political hot potato. I mean, I think largely because they had followed Trump and because they had done certain things, I think they had taken China off the table as a political issue. You know, in other words, we're being tough, we're moving forward. So now I, I read the Campbell interview that was done in The Wire the other day, the what China, what China Wire. And I was just, it was, I was flabbergasted by it. I mean, he basically, he, and unfortunately, the guy who interviewed him, Bob Davis, allowed him to get away with it. He basically, oh, we're the original hawks. We're very hawkish. We've been doing this for years, you know. I mean, essentially, he almost practically said, well, you know, everything changed in 2014. And then these Trump guys came along and just imitated us. And we've been the hawks ever since then. I thought it was an incredible, um, incredibly Washington, D.C. foreign policy establishment performance. And it's the one thing I think they miss at this Biden White House on China. There's nobody on the domestic side saying, excuse me, fentanyl. I mean, do you see anybody right. on that team who's thinking of that other than Ram Emanuel? It's amazing how they don't seem to care at all about the border. They're not even really sort of manufacturing a lie or an excuse or, oh, well, gee, we have this program, not even throwing a bone of, well, we're not going to build a, a fence along the entire border, but we'll reinforce some of the fencing that exists in San Diego. Uh, they just don't seem to care at all about that issue and the fact that, um, uh, you know, all the, the ingredients for fentanyl, even though it, sometimes they're assembled in Mexico, they come from China. I wrote an op-ed um, with Alicia Maldonado, who, you know, in the yeah. Washington Times about our uh, dependence on China for a lot of generic stuff, a lot of antibiotics, but also ingredients, um, active pharmaceutical ingredients that go into generics made elsewhere. So if you have a generic drug that's made in, in India or Japan, um, that may actually still be dependent on China, all of which, as you know, is subject to disruption. Either the Chinese could decide to stop the flow or war in the Western Pacific would stop it for us because you know more about shipping routes uh, than I ever will. But it seems it seems like it would be hard to get air and freight through that part of the world, just given the geography and, uh, oh, there's a war going on. But anyway, that's sort of a bipartisan thing that no one's really focused on. But yeah, it's amazing how um, how they don't seem to really care that much. And this is against the backdrop of, I don't know, maybe Ukraine is having something to do with this because they goofed in Afghanistan. That was a fall of Saigon style uh, embarrassment when we had to, when we got thrown yes. out of there by the Taliban. Yes. And then Ukraine was going to be their savior. But with that now stalemated, uh, maybe that's something to do with the change to China. They're going into re-election. They have to yeah. say we did something right. Yeah, we we can talk about Mr. Trump later. But one of the things that he did say, and I think somebody told me that's probably correct, Trump wanted to keep Bagram. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In other words, like, and if you keep Bagram, that's a different, that's a much different situation. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, that ties down Japan, that ties down Chinese, Russian. And I've learned something about Bagram that I didn't know. It really is a very defensible position. In other words, like the Afghanis would have, first of all, they wouldn't have any of all our weapons and our jeeps. We just because we'd have park, parked them all there and we'd have them and we could sell them and probably send them over to the Ukrainians would have been easier. 
I, I do believe that I, there's all these other things. I mean, of course, you know, we have a good friend who's a former ambassador there. And, you know, he I know he's kind of distraught about what happened. But look, you're right. This goes down. Ukraine, we could argue about it all day long. But the fact of the matter is you had to give Ukraine cluster bombs. I mean, I know two special forces guys with like nine, 10 tours between the two of them in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they're older guys and they had experience for that. They were like really upset. Michael Yan was really upset that cluster bombs were coming out there because he said he's been places. He said these things stay around for years. You know, he said, if you release 100 of them and you have a 3% failure rate and you release 20 bombs, he said, you know, you've got fields with like 30 or 40 of these things just waiting for some kid to step on it or just waiting for some farmer to come along. And he said, you know, they're not. And of course, everybody says they're so effective. But my my point is, is like, all right, you guys have promised us that this was going to be the big, the end. In other words, like this was that we're pushing forward. We're doing this. Now it's every excuse. Oh, you know, if they only had air power. Yeah, oh, exactly. So it's a more thing. It's like we're going to work our way up speed. from from high Mars to anti-ballistic missiles to M1 tanks to F-16s. Pretty soon it'll be the hydrogen bomb. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like whatever, whatever. I mean, it's I understand the point. But my point is, is that. And this is the mistake I've never liked. And again, I can't believe I'm praising Trump. I thought Trump gave the best answer so far. Joe Rogan said, I was listening to Rogan. I didn't know about it. Trump said, I just want people to stop dying. You know what I'm saying? And I I, I do think in, 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 in my mind, the Ukrainians are not moving forward. It is, we're coming into August. I think that should tell us that this late spring offensive is over. Mm-hmm. I think the Biden administration is gonna be coming in there telling Zelensky, look, you guys had your crack at this. This is what it is. Putin is probably going to be able to sustain himself there. But that said, doesn't mean, as I told somebody, doesn't mean we still just like not. I mean, I would. it doesn't. Putin is, I think if Putin can get himself a deal, he'd take it now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is draining the hell out of him. And if they can get some things restarted. But I mean, are they going to take territory? I, I guess they are. But I mean. I, I short of NATO coming into Ukraine, you know what I'm saying? You know, that that's not going to happen. I think that's why Jake Sullivan is out there, but getting, getting from that. So you've got that, you get this, but now you've got this, this back down on China. And it was really interesting. I mean, did you see the guy at the Aspen Institute, the new ambassador, he was there like talking about speedos and stuff like that. I don't even want to go there. I don't know how, I don't know how you come up with speedos. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Okay, we now we, we'd like to see the browsing history of the new ambassador. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the thing is with this guy, I mean, I think the thing that's really funny about it is, is that, you know, he's up there and he's saying things. And there was it's, it was reported by scripts that there was the commander of Indo-Pac-Com sitting there and he made something, a comment like this is disgusting. You know, unfortunately, the Aspen people basically let the guy ramp, rumble, ran up, run in his mouth. But in a way, it's more effective because, you know, basically it's just, a, you know, it's this arrogant little prick, you know, sitting up there thinking that he's the king of the world, basically lecturing people. Oh, my American friends tell me. Everybody's like, even James Zimmerman, this, you know, who's a pro-China guy. So nobody tells you that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you can tell he was just throwing it off. 
so you've got that and the former foreign foreign minister is missing. I, I, I myself don't know what Biden's doing, but I mean, I'm really interested in your, in your perspective because these all seem like none of these cabinet secretaries seem like foreign policy experts blinking. Yeah, that's his world. But, and, and he did the least of any, but Yellen was it Yellen. I was like, Oh my God. And, and now John, John Kerry, basically got off the okay. plane before they went. They went like, this This is not to our viewers. This was like John Kerry. He's like, hello, how are you? They're like, hi. You know, I mean, that was, their, <laughs> that was their reaction. I mean, basically, it was like, F you and get out of here. And, and I, I, just, I, I just find it amazing their ability to take this abuse. And so I don't know why you would do it, because politically, it's going to come back and bite you. You know, we're seeing a transition in this country. And we're seeing a wonderful transition. I think it's one of the great unknown things. We're seeing the transition in our foreign policy move from really, I hate to say it, being a white guy, a little bit of African-American, but basically a white guy elitist thing, you know what I'm saying, to coming across the board to where we're seeing more and more people. It's more, there's more diversity in terms of, and I'm not praising this from a DEI or something like that, but my point being is you're, you're having constituencies that care about this now. I was very, very interested in Richie Torres from New, New York who says, yeah, his constituents care about China. You know, you, you, you go there. Miami, I had a Congress, somebody down there said, yeah, people care about it. All right, that's Hispanic community. But you go out to the other Asian communities, they care about it. The Koreans care about it. The Indian community is becoming very, very active you know, for better or worse when it comes to Modi. But the fact of the matter is there, the Indian community is very, very aware of this stuff. And the Koreans are the same way. The Koreans are like, you know, they, they don't want to get attacked. They don't want their parents to be attacked in Korea. My point being is politically kissing up to China, they have really bought into, I, I, where I'm going with this is they bought into this stop Asian hate, okay? And that was really a Chi-Com plan. And what they've got themselves now is a political quagmire. They don't know how to get out of it because yeah. the Chinese are abusing them like no tomorrow. So they went in there and they laid down in front of everybody to kiss ass. And now they've actually got a domestic political liability on their hand. And that's why I'm so interested in these. Janet Yellen, I don't expect anything from her. She's married to a Nobel Prize got winner, you know, all that good stuff. They just <laughs> sit around and, you know, probably talk about elite stuff. I, I would never, there's no desire on Mark Simon's part to have a glass of wine with uh, the Yellen family. Um, I don't think they'd want to have me there, but you know what I'm saying? I, whereas other people I think might be kind of interesting. Like um, Hunter would be more interesting. for Hunt, Hunter, look, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> any man, any person who says they wouldn't want to go on a party with Hunter, you <laughs> are a boring person. I would live to go out with Hunter. My, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would literally, I would literally tell my wife, go to the store, pick out the Rolex, slide over to the other store, pick out your the LVMH, get the bag that you want because I'm going out for, I'm going out with with the Hunter, and I want to see what he wants to do. I I think <laughs> I think I know I know two people who know Hunter really well, really well. They know him. He is basically. Um, the evil Arthur, remember from from uh, from uh, sure, Dudley uh, Moore. Mm -hmm. Dudley Moore. He's Great. the evil he Arthur. Was the butler. He really made that movie too. But yeah, keep going. Life yeah, yeah, only pretty yeah. good too. But yeah, yeah, 
But the point is, is that the point is he really is. He's the evil Arthur. That's what I call him. And what I mean by that is, is like, he's fun. He's enjoyable. You have a good time with him. But then you're like, oh, dude, man, you know, why, why, you know, why are you doing this? You know, I, I, I'm one of these ones. I know this will sound, it shows my lack of, my lack of ability to deal at the higher levels. The, the grandkid thing just gets me. That That's such a, it would take, it would take nothing for him to include that grandkid. You know what I'm saying? It would take nothing to say, okay, I messed up. That's it. And, and, you know, and I, my belief is that Joe, you know, that Joe won't embrace the kid and, you know, it's, it's everything, it's everything. And, and I, and I, I really, I really wonder, but no, Hunter would be, he would be really interesting to party with. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm I mean, still just I, thinking I of, uh, I'm still just thinking of Arthur where, uh, now that you've planted that in my mind, where Arthur, Dudley Moore's character, Arthur invites Liza Minnelli's, Minnelli's character to uh dinner and then the, the snobby butler goes so steal something casual <laughs> they just got her shoplifting and burglar that's food like food. that's like you're a prostitute <laughs> you <know? laughs> that, that 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 is that is one of the uh that's and that's what's trading worst. places right that's dan Aykroyd, i think yeah that's dan Aykroyd. okay that's the the worst thing about uh the worst i get my i get my 80s movies confused um but our, but the thing about Dudley, the Dudley Moore thing, the worst thing about uh, Arthur was all the awful offshoots. That they, it was one of these like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it was Russell them. Brand or whether it was like the, there was literally a cartoon after Arthur. It was like you know, poor Dudley Moore makes a classic with John Guttenfeld. I think that was or something like that was the uh, was the I can't remember his name was the was the was the, was the butler. He was a killer. Well, there, he was, was good. Was yeah. good. But no, I mean, I think the thing is, but I think, I think when we come back to it, you know, after we that diversion there, I don't really understand why they think this is going to be a winner. Because let me tell you something, whether it's Trump or DeSantis in the near term, it's going to be, you know, they're, they're getting your, it's going to be Joe getting his ass kicked. And, it, and that's why. Yeah. You know, when we talk about Trump, I, I know what Trump's trying to do. It's stupid, but I know what he's trying to do. Well, and it's interesting how, yeah, so anyone, there is no sort of John Huntsman or uh, Mitt Romney who you know is probably going to say, well, for business purposes, we can't delink from China. Or, uh, and actually, even the Hawks, even, you know, Bob Lighthizer, the former U.S. trade representative, says strategic delinkage, I believe, or decoupling. I forget which one it is. So it's like we're not going to worry about buying desks and trinkets and toys from China, but um, semiconductors, pharmaceuticals, things on which we depend. Um, no, we can't we can't trade in that. But any Republican seems like they could take advantage. Trump is being a little lazy, uh, as usual, on the policy front, sort of saying, well, we should have reciprocity in trade. But actually, his own U.S. trade representative knows that won't work. I mean, it, it, you can't say, OK, China has a 5% tariff on steel, so we'll have a 5% tariff on steel. No, they'll, they'll eat us alive. That means no more U.S. steel industry. Um, there's some things where we need probably to have five or 600% tariffs on China if you really want to move, um, move things away. And he should understand that because the 25 yeah. to 50% tariffs he put on, um, um, on Chinese imports in Section 301 we're much higher than what they have on us and what they have on us doesn't matter since we don't export anything to them. So, you know, that's in the weeds that doesn't come across, but, um, DeSantis, it, I hear he's going to have a big, uh, 
foreign policy speech. And it's been, you know, he's been rolling it out in the Jake Tapper CNN interview and the Tucker Carlson interview in Iowa. We're seeing more of it and I like it, but um, yeah, anyone is going to well, be able to take Trump, Biden's Trump's account. saying who he's going to go get. I mean, of course, once the president's there, all these guys who hated Donald Trump, you know, remember how many guys signed the letter against Trump? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then once he was president, <laughs> they all tried to like unsign the letter. I have to give Garrett Jared Kushner credit for that when Kushner basically apparently Kushner had that letter like photocopied in his desk and he gave it to the White House Office of Personnel. I was told this story. I don't know how accurate, but, but that none of them ever, ever a couple of them got off the letter, but most of them didn't, you know, and if you could if you could get a Pompeo or somebody to vouch for you, you know, what I'm saying or Pence, you might get yeah. off the letter. But yeah, I think Elliot Abrams sort of back. got a job. And, I can't remember if he was one of the signatories, but yeah, I think a couple got few got off it. But basically, they held pretty tight to it. But here's my point: Who? Question. Point. Question. Who does Trump have for a foreign policy team now? Now, maybe he can go find Rex Tillerson again. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, you know, <laughs> is there anybody who's going to really just show up? I mean, of course, like I said, once he's the president. A lot of people show up, but is there anybody that we really like? Okay, this is a good idea to get this guy. Do you I think it would be, you? yeah, it would be very hard for him to attract people because even those who served in the first administration who were good, um, the idea of subjecting yourself to that chaos again, and also you can be fired on whim via Twitter or some other social media, um, you know, uh, you're going to get, so you're going to either get less qualified people, sometimes that's good um, to give new people a chance to get fresh faces. You'll probably see Rick Grinnell back in a yeah, I mean, session as the acting DNI, but uh, a lot of people, I think it would be hard. Um, and so the theory that the Trump people are all saying they, they do personnel much better, they realize what went wrong. But my counterpoint, my, my counter argument would be, no, if you look who he's surrounding himself with at Mar-a-Lago, there's nothing there that looks particularly, you know, um, America first, creative, strong, new people. Uh, you see a lot of opportunists, I think, um, and, uh, you know, cabinet people. Yeah, I mean, someone will take the job of Secretary of State, no problem. It just may not be someone who can get anything done. Um, and you also worry. I mean, so you, if he's president, he can't be prosecuted by his own executive branch, but there's still, you'd have um, state prosecutions. It would just, it would, from the, from the get-go, appear to be an extremely unstable or uh, yeah, I mean, we administration. Could, actually, we should have something where we, we talk domestic politics next time. I just, I just think, like I say, when you, when we're talking about this, I mean, you know, you, you, you were part of beachhead teams and multiple administrations, you know, you worked at the administration, you had these people come through. I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, okay, Rick and a couple of other people, and you'll get some people that show up, maybe some business guys at the end of their careers, they'll be, be offered this and that. But, you know, I, I was solicited a couple of times for, you know, in two administrations, you know, for, for jobs and neither of them were serious. I always told somebody my favorite, my favorite Trump story is, is like somebody, a very nice guy tried hard to, you know, to have me introduced to some people. So I went in there and, you know, basically the guy's talking to me and I'm looking at him and I'm going like, you know, he's like 28, you know what I'm saying? And he's sitting there holding, holding forth. And I'm going like, you little twit, I would fire your ass in about 15 seconds. And that's when I came out. I actually wrote a memo after two days of like being basically jerked around, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, sit here, sit there. And, and it's just because, you know, it's kind of a heady thing. The White House calls, we'd like, 
you know, we'd like to get you'd like to we'd like to have you consider something. Um, and, you know, I got there and like, you know, I was like, I, my whole thing was, all right, if they need me, if there's some place that's interesting, I'll do it. Also, out of courtesy to this one, this one fella and actually became a guy, a, a, a gentleman and a, and, a, and a very senior woman were really trying. You know, they wanted me to join. And I'm like, first of all, I can't take the pay cut. My wife will kill me. You know, secondly, <laughs> secondly, I don't really see this as a thing. And the other thing, too, is and you can imagine who it was. The person who was really pushing me was not exactly the most in the most stable position in the administration. You know what I'm saying? In other words, it would, uh, be, pretty, it would be pretty easy to be pushed out. But my my thing with the Trump guys was I've never seen a more disorganized personnel system that essentially my my image was of this young man who's probably 34, 35 right now. Maybe he's 35 or 36. And I just the way he was speaking to me, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not I'm not I don't have much of an ego. I'm an old offensive lineman. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't mind getting yelled at. But his his commentary to me was. You know, it was like, you know, you're asking somebody to come in, take a huge pay cut, okay? And they're going to have to deal with some condescending little twit, you know what I'm saying? And I remember after I said that, and then I wrote the memo um, to, to, to somebody who was, I saw was close to the president. He came back to me like a month later, you know what I'm saying? You know, because he's a busy man. And he said, I got that from five people. You know, interesting. You said and that you was said, Trump you know, or that was Bush? No, it was Trump. It was Trump. 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 Yeah. Trump, Trump, yeah. Trump. I, I think Bush people, the, the Bush thing happened like later in the Bush thing. And like somebody wanted me right. to go over to commerce. And I was like, you know, the last thing I want to do is I think I've told you this before. I'm not going to be with commerce department and the export thing being in, you know, Shittistan selling cantaloupes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Promoting California cantaloupes. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, for, for $165,000 a year, you know, and then arguing if I can fly in business class. No, that's not going to happen, folks. I'm not, that's not my world, you know. And I, I also told somebody I, if I needed to, I could, I could actually sell more, you know, for you than anything else. I've got like, I, they would be mad if I took credit for it. But like I introduced two beers to uh, Asia, you know, from the U.S. And, uh, you know, they did really well. You know what I'm saying? They did really well. So that's my export promotion type thing. You know what I'm saying? Very good. But that's it. But no, I mean, I think the thing with Trump is I just find Trump, I have to be honest with you. I, 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 I was really disappointed watching him the other night. Um, I don't, I'm not one of these guys that hates Trump. You know what I'm saying? I think the right. guy is getting stuck, stuck to, but I don't know how I'm with you. I don't know how he survives this. And I, I'm also starting to believe you know, we go to Iowa happens. Iowa happens when? January next year? Yeah, within like the first week of January, but within the first week of New Year's. It's very, very quick. Yeah. And, but, and if they have to move, if they have to move it to December to be first, they will. So, yeah, and, it'll and, go early Jan. And so the thing is, is that, you know, I, but that for, for him and his world, that's a long damn time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think people are starting to, you know, I mean, he's got three, three invested, Brad, he's got three now in potential, you know, indictments or whatever coming. And he's got a fourth coming, potential fourth coming. It's just, when does it stop? You know what I'm saying? When does it stop? 
It's and, bad. And, Some of them are phony, but the classified yeah, documents one, I mean, he's his own, he's, he's the witness for the prosecution, his own voice, trying to impress some, uh, what, some people who just drop by, some women who drop by Mar-a-Lago with, oh, hey, look at this. I can't show you this because it's classified. <laughs> Moronic stuff. I think uh, you look at some of the, the polls are tightening a little bit. DeSantis is moving up in New Hampshire. There's a plot of Wisconsin where if you do like all of the candidates, Trump is still 20 points ahead. But if you do head to head, if you're if the choice is between Trump and DeSantis, DeSantis won that. Meaning if there's convergence, if if it gets down to the point where it's Trump versus not Trump, Right now, you know, not Trump might win. Trump lost in Iowa in 2016, um, even though he was pandering on ethanol and he lost to Ted Cruz, who was not pandering on ethanol. Trump had either the explicit or de facto support of Iowa Governor um, Brandstad in 16. Um, this time, uh, the governor is actually uh, impartial officially, but is friendly with DeSantis. So there's just a lot of signs that as summer goes on, we get to the debates, whether Trump is there or whether he skips them. I think people will say, you know, we really would, uh, could use a new generation of leader who can serve two terms and, and well, get some stuff done. I also, I, I am not much of a conspiracy theorist. I always look for incompetence where everybody looks for conspiracy as I was taught by a friend. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I I firmly believe that Biden is now president. The president is really under siege by his own people. You know what I'm saying? I think that they um, are seeing more and more problematics for the president. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, we're seeing ridiculous stories about his temper. You know, he, he he loses his temper. I said, so what? He's that Uncle Festus now? You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. You know, I mean, you know, this, and so that's it. And, and, and I, I'm, again, I'm not one of these ones that really likes the personal attack stuff. But I do. I'm starting to think that there are going to be people like Gavin Newsom, you know, and they're looking at Bill Clinton. Everybody says, well, guess what? Bill Clinton ran for president in 19, you know, 1990, 1980, 1992. 92 was his first one, yeah. Yeah, you know, he ran, one. and nobody would do it because they, oh, Bush is unbeatable after Iraq. He's, so right. nobody wanted to do it. And then Bill Clinton showed up, and then this little, this little, this little peckerhead Ross Perot showed up and took, took Clinton, took, took, uh, took, uh, took, took Bush out. And so the point is, is that I believe that if, if Gavin Newsom, at a certain point in time, someone's going to say, look, this is too difficult. We can't have two presidents sitting here, two guys, both heading into their, you know, in their 80s, you know, when they're in their thing. And we're just hanging on. And I have to tell you something on the MAGA side. I'm really, really, I don't really care anymore. I upset them. I'm getting tired of people here in New Jersey, you know, going, we got to have, we got to have Trump. And it goes, it makes you feel good. New Jersey's not going to vote Republican. It's a Democratic state. And that's one of the big issues that we have. It's actually one of Trump's key strengths is he's big in states that have no chance of winning. Of, oh, of us interfering. California, huh. uh, yeah. New York, the Northeast. Everybody loves Trump because you know why? There's no cost to it. They know he's not going to win the state. They're, they, they've come into that. But I'm telling you right now, I think I think that uh, with foreign policy, I still can't get it back to China. Christian, I don't know what the Biden guys are doing because yeah. this is going to be a real they're going to show up. And, and let's say it's not going to be Trump. Let's say Trump, you know, let's say something happens to Trump. God does something for us. You know what I'm saying? And 
you know, you really want to run Biden against DeSantis? You want to run Biden against Tim Scott? He's not going to be, if, if you're up against DeSantis or Tim Scott and you're Joe Biden and you think you're not going to be able to, you think you're going to be not, you're going to be able to get out of the debate. You're out of your mind. You automatically, you'll lose like that. People will be like the American people. I'm confident of that prediction. They yeah, and that's when you put someone in a Big Bird outfit and send them to all of the Biden rallies or appearances or out to his basement in uh, Rehoboth, uh, yeah. accuse him of being a chicken. That's a anyway. <laughs> well, all that's right, all well, we'll that. for this episode, but we'll be back. So let's talk Taiwan a little bit next time, too, because politics are heating up there. That's probably all in addition to me. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. We should have more It's been a while. But look, take care of yourself. It's good to see you. I hope everybody's doing okay. All right. All right. Thanks. We'll see everyone again soon.